wow. I didn't think I was going to make it out of that drag race in one piece. Whew. So, where's John? Oh, hey, John. <sighs> this is going to be a difficult one to record, but I'll give it a shot. Hey. Hi, and welcome to the terror test. John, what's wrong? I'm John. And I'm alone today because Eric what? died John, I'm in a right drag here. race. I'm right here, John. So I guess I'll be doing Can't this episode alone. You don't have to do this alone. John! Oh, Eric, hey! Hey, John. I didn't see you there, or hear you. Yep, I'm here. Oh, I'm glad you made it. And we're together. And as fans of horror, our goal is to weigh the merits of films based on three categories, production, monster quality, and scare factor, to decide whether to admit them into our sacred horror canon. In this podcast, we'll put horror movies to the test to determine what to watch next, what's worth revisiting, and what to recommend to the uninitiated. Number two pencils ready, and begin. Okay, so we are re resuming our Decades of Death. Decades of Death. A hundred years of horror. Um, and we are picking up where we left off, which is the 1960s. So the two movies that we're going to be watching today are Black Sunday and Carnival of Souls. Yep, so let's get started with Black Sunday. Okay, so this movie was released in 1960, directed by Mario Bava, written by Ennio de Cossini and Mario Serendre, from a tale by Nicolai Gogol, uh, starring Barbara Steele as Katya and Asa the Witch, uh, John Richardson as Dr. Andre Gorobek, Andrea Checky as Dr. Thomas Kruvijan, and Arturo Dominici as Igor or Havuto. Those names were pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> you kill the Japanese, but the Italian's pretty tough. Yeah. But I guess they're not all Italian. Yeah. And I like, so we're going to talk about production. Uh, and the film is timeless in the power and effectiveness of its writing, direction, acting, cinematography, special effects, iconography, and portrayal of its subject matter. I think it's worth mentioning here is that it's it's in that same vein of most Italian horror where um, it's overdubbed. Yeah. I think that's something that somebody's going to notice the first thing that they, when they watch it. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I just had to confirm while I was watching it because I, I thought I knew why. And I, and I did, and I was talking to uh, my wife Kristen about it, is that it's because everybody's speaking a different language. Yeah. And then they just overdubbed it in Italian and English and just sold it to both, and they were done. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Like... That still blows my mind with the acting, be able to act with somebody who is delivering lines in a completely different language. But yeah, it's not that it's not that jarring. Yeah, if, I mean, if you like, after you notice it, you're just like, okay. And yeah, it is interesting um, because it it just also was I don't know, just like a, a convention, just a norm yeah. in Italy. Like I remember. Sure 
um, taking a film class about Federico Fellini. And that was also like the norm in his movies. And it's not that he had like international stars, most of them were Italian, but it was just the norm that, hey, we're not gonna worry about capturing sound, let's just focus on the image and we'll do the sound later. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's the power of both these films uh, is that they do focus on the imagery. Yeah. Uh, in these. So in terms of the cinemato cinematography, especially in this, I even thought, I was surprised in the very beginning, the opening scene mm -hmm. and the prologue is fantastic storytelling. Um, but the the branding and stuff in that, it's pretty graphic. The, yeah. the switch to the point of view, like inside the mask before it mm -hmm. gets slam hammered onto their faces. Yeah. Like that's graphic. Yeah. And it made me cringe. And I was like, man. They use, powerful. yeah, he uses suggestion well. And I think something about the black and white really helps mm -hmm. with that too, because it does feel um, timeless in that way. Mm -hmm. that some of the special effects hold up. Um, and Steele's acting in this is fantastic in both She's her characters great. and roles. Mm -hmm. um, the special effects, like the very subtle sort of, what do you want to call them? Sort of like the blister kind of raise stuff on people's faces oh, the uh -huh. infection yeah right? um it looks great and looks gross mm -hmm. um the only special effect that gets in the way for me is when he's fighting the bat in the beginning it's like yeah that's a little silly i mean all of this is like i i don't know so much so much of it has been parodied um right not even with this particular movie but with old black and white gothic movies and so when you see like a trap door open up, you're like, oh, of course. Like it's, I think it does take away some of the like, um, I don't know, scare factor for me, but I can appreciate it. Like I really enjoy watching a movie like that from time to time. Like it's not going to be my go-to, but like, I don't know. You can just kind of appreciate the, um, I, I don't know, just the love for the period in the genre. Um, so even when it's goofy, it's still a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. It, even things like the old family portrait that looks eerily similar yeah. to the relative. And they're like, oh, <laughs> well, I think it's in this one. It's I think it's her dad. Is it, um, is it Katya? Like, who's that? Yeah. Katya is like the, the descendant. Yeah. yeah. It's like her dad says, you know, you do look like her. It's like you just realized <laughs> yeah. this portrait's been in your family since you've been here. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, it does look like my daughter. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's silly, it's but... Great. It is. It, there is some camp to it, definitely. I, I think this movie makes up for that campiness, though. In the storytelling, I really liked the sort of blending with the witch vampire stuff yeah. that was going on, the possession that happens. Mm -hmm. I thought that was all really clever, and I think that added to the power and the mystery of the witch. I think so. I think this is a great witch. Yeah. Like, when we get to monster quality, we could go into it further. But um, in addition to Barbara Steele's great performance, I just, I really like the mythology that's like mm -hmm. kind of built around this that yeah that does combine some vampire stuff with witch stuff but it's it's new and it's interesting mm -hmm. and the whole concept of of the mask of satan was just really fun 
mm-hmm. to learn about. So I um, I read a little bit of that, but the alternate titles is one one was for a, a later American release, and then is Black Sunday the Italian, or why are there two titles? Did you find anything? Uh, no, I didn't look that up. I think that might be the thing. I know that one was released later. I want to say mm-hmm. that Black Sunday was the revised version and the original title yeah. was The Mask of Satan. And maybe that satanic vibe threw off American audiences. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think the Italians cared too much about titles because thinking back to like... What, Cat in the Brain? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of like how Zombie is really Zombie 2 because oh. <laughs> Dawn of the Dead was yeah. Zombie 1. And sure. so it's just like... You know, whatever. Films with international. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. We're Um, still seeing that. Let the right one in. Let me in. Yeah. Like. (laughs) Um, So anyway, I mean, it it definitely feels like kind of the, uh, I don't know, last gasp of an era of horror. You know, because even in two years from this point, we get Carnival of Souls, which just feels... modern you know it and it is i think it's in the cinematography right don't you think i think in the choices they're making as part of the film with the imagery it makes it feel modern where it's not just like those earlier films that we saw even in the 40s where it's just like long shots people standing and talking but they're very thoughtful on how like the pacing the even the the music i would say more so in carnival of souls than black Mm -hmm. sunday but how that's put together as to make a film you know right well i think that's, I think that's part of it. Um, I also think that just as a genre, most of horror was set in the past. Um, that ghosts and goblins were something of an earlier time. And so it wasn't until, you know, Carnival of Souls and then Rosemary's Baby, Night of the Living Dead, mm. that like the horrors of contemporary life became the main subject. Oh, I could see that, yeah. I think that's something that was discussed in Shock Value, that mm-hmm. Jason Zinneman book. Um, if not there, then, then somewhere else. I know I didn't come up with this idea, but um, I think you can, like, chart that. And so this episode, in a way, is kind of, like, showing the transition. I feel like it's the turn... To yeah, what we, what we would call like modern horror. Yeah, and so like this is, you know, it's it's a really enjoyable film, and I want to give it a star for production. But we're really not going to see many more movies like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and yeah, I'm gonna give it a point as well for production. The same thing that we're we're talking about. I I see what you mean that it's like. They're, they're going to set that Satanism in the past. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. It's it's safer, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's also just reflecting that like horror as a genre just wasn't taken as seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, not to see too. Are there many like satanic ritual type movies before this? Because I know that that was a really popular sort of iconic image in a lot of pop art in the fifties. Mm-hmm. Uh, like these sort of like sacrifices and the satanists going after the girls and like the like ripped clothing that kind of stuff that's a like really popular image 
but I guess it was in the 60s, that 50s, I don't, and 60s. I don't know. Um, so that satanic cult thing. Yeah. That has I a feel, resurgence in the 80s. Right. I feel like if not that, then perhaps paganism. Yeah. But, I can see that. Yeah, right. so anyway. Um, Monster yeah. quality. Uh, so the film's monsters are frightening, clearly related to archetypal fears and have depth. We have the witch! Yeah, and I think she's great. I mean, we have the kind of classic um, double mm-hmm. in horror of uh, Katya and Asa, the witch, um, being played by the same actress, but um, being doubles of each other. The past influences the future. Um Curses are passed on from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. The whole sins of the mm-hmm. father thing mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. at play here. And so I think that works really well. And then I also just like that idea of, and I mean, we see it in Hellraiser, that idea of like having to um, kind of sacrifice in order to bring an evil back, mm-hmm. you know. And it's it's sort of brought back through the greed and curiosity mm-hmm. of some 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 dumb guy. <laughs> yeah, he since he like, I, well, I guess like when you read that scene, it could either be like somehow her power and influence is what causes that mm-hmm. with the bat and all that, or if it's just through you know him overstepping his bounds. If but, nothing else, like ignorance of the past. Yeah, yeah, because like he that. disregards what the. Uh, carriage driver mm-hmm. warns mm-hmm. and so he doesn't respect the old ways enough mm-hmm. you know i like that um also get a kick out of all those different like uh burial rituals mm-hmm. with the things that are thought to be evil yeah so the idea that she's sort of in a um she's she's in the catacombs there's the glass over there there's the cross facing it and sort of like you said all those rituals that are built into sort of warding off evil that get forgotten yeah um in there mm-hmm. um so what about the monster as as the witch herself so i think it's the sort of the fear of females with power that's going sure. on in there yeah. um and then the inclusion of i mean we get so much in this one it's not just a witch um, I got a little uh, sort of like the autopsy of Jane Doe vibes uh, in this. Yeah. I, there has to be some influence there. How so? What do you think? Well, just the fact that uh, the body has all this power without even leaving its resting oh, okay. place. Yeah. And it's causing all this pandemonium mm-hmm. and evil um, within there. And through possession and influence, uh, it's causing all this damage to this family. I just saw a lot of parallels yeah. in that scene. I didn't think about it. but And even how they approach her. They see her as powerless, um, but have to sort of be warned mm-hmm. from crossing that boundary. So um, I really like that as, as the monster. Um, that, like I said, I like the vampire vibes to it with, in terms of the possession. I like how she possesses that. I can't remember the character's name, but it like causes him to do her bidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's really cool. And so it just raises all those fears. It's like you can't, uh, can you really trust those in your family or part right. of your crew? Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm willing to give it a point. Yeah, I think it has depth. I think I like that the backstory and the prologue um, add to her as mm-hmm. a character and her power. And then she, you know, uh, raises her counterpart. What's the name of that guy? Uh, Igor. Igor. Or, yeah. Or J- Javuto. Havuto. I, yeah. 
I don't remember how it's pronounced and in what's the, the movie. What's the doctor's name that they keep shouting throughout the whole movie? Um, they're they're always looking for him. Uh, do you know uh, what I'm yeah, talking about? Uh, uh, yeah, I just so I have like two names and I just can't remember which one. Is it, it Gorobek or Krujavan? Krujavan. That sounds right. Is yeah. <laughs> they're always looking for him yeah. throughout the whole movie, and just his name gets repeated so much. But yeah, all uh, these yeah. like Eastern European names just. Don't get it. And I couldn't I couldn't tell if there was an N on the end of it or an A. Oh. Like from the way that they were saying yeah. it. But uh anyway, I'm gonna give it a point for sure. Because I, I like her as mm-hmm. a monster. And her like her image is so iconic. It is that image of her like with the uh like holes in her face. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the classic image the and makeup. Yeah, I just think one of the all time great witches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what about scare factors? Film has clear intent to scare and must be successful in that objective from beginning to end. I think in her performance she can be creepy, but that's kind of where it ends for me. Yeah, same. It's it it falls flat for me, and it's just a product of its time where mm-hmm. the tension doesn't follow through because of some of those like cheeky sort of. Um, campy acting mm-hmm. scenes and moments when they're trying to hunt down and solve the problem. There's not enough tension there for me. Yeah, I mean, and the concept of the Mask of Satan is is really creepy. Yeah. Um, that kind of medieval torture being done um, is chilling when you think about, you know, that it could be done to you, but... Um, and that it was also carried out. Mm-hmm. So, like, this actually got me reading some stuff, and I'll have to share it with you, some, like, sort of primary source documents from Europe, but then also from the American East Coast about witches, so, like, the Maleficarum, mm-hmm. where it's the Catholic Church basically confessing and saying, hey, um, this sort of evil is out there, and this is what you should do about it. So witches are real, um, mm-hmm. warlocks are real, and you have to, like, watch out for that in the real world. Uh-huh. Um, but those primary source documents are really cool to read because mm. it's people talking about what you do with it. So, like, I could I haven't come across the Mask of Satan, but, like, the different ways to handle a witch kind of thing. Yeah. It's because people did that, and that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a great um, short story by uh, Bram Stoker about, um, I think it, it may be just, oh, the Squaw. That's what it's called. Um, that includes a kind of Iron Maiden mm-hmm. device in it and it's really creepy mm-hmm. it, it's used effectively it's a fun story we should I should have you read that yeah. um, it's also about imperialism so mm-hmm. um, anyway uh, yeah so no point here no point but, but this has to go in honorable mention moment. yeah because definitely. There, there are scary moments like I said at the beginning when they're pounding that mask it creeped me out it's got some like gross out in mm-hmm. here i think that i think i told you this earlier i think that um i think that cronenberg would be proud of this yeah. movie in some parts like for its time it's not gonna go mm-hmm. to that extreme grotesque but it's got all right so we've got honorable mention what about carnival of souls okay so this was released in 1962 directed by herc harvey written by john clifford Starring Candace Hillegoss as Mary Henry, uh, Sidney Berger as John Linden, and Herc Harvey, the director himself, as the man. 
I did not put that together. I didn't know that that was the director. The director, yeah. Oh, the man is awesome. He's my he's so my new good. favorite monster. Yeah, he really is. He's like he's up there to me with like the tall man. Just one of the all time great faces in yes. horror. And so is he? I guess we'll get to this with Monster Club, but I have to know here. I didn't look in the credits. So he's one of the drag racers, right? He's the guy that like gets her to go. Is, is that he? the man? Or is oh, he just somebody I else? I didn't make that connection. I would have to rewatch the beginning. Because when I when I was watching it, so the the people that rise out of the water at the end mm-hmm. to sort of take her, yeah. I think those are the victims. Mm. Of those are the souls that were in the car with them as the drag race, and so I thought that, and, and I'd have to see, but the guy who sort of like gets her to go along with the drag race, who hangs out the window and talks to her at the beginning, yeah, I thought that that was the man. Oh, uh, I don't. I thought it was a younger guy, and I just thought maybe the makeup made him look different. Perhaps, yeah. I didn't pick up on that, but that's also. I mean, I could have just not noticed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about um, let's talk about production. We'll uh, we'll look it up. So um, this is another. Okay, yeah, I it, I pulled up a picture of the guy. I see him? the resemblance, but, but you don't think I it's don't, him. I don't think so. That versus he is way older. He's he's older. Okay, and he has a different. Nose. I thought that was going to add another layer. There's so many layers this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the production with cinematography, something that. Um, that really struck me again is that the director is very careful with it with his shots we're not just filming people talking to each other standing still and transitioning to different locations like the shots are very thoughtful the close-ups of um of our heroine's face um but then also those kind of side shots that get really surreal with um, people rising out of the mm-hmm. water um like we we're talking about before and we'll get this with monster quality is that there's something creepy about people being wet yeah (laughs) like and this is what made me realize it in this movie and we see that in other places like the ring and the Mm -hmm. like uh, and all that stuff so um i think that would uh what else stood out to you with production well so this is clearly a cheaply made movie that at the time it was meant for drive-ins um and that shows like it it's cheap but it's one of those horror movies that like less is more you don't need a budget if you know what you're doing because yeah it's an incredible looking movie um the way that shots are framed and the way that the souls pop in and out of the frames when they're sort of chasing uh mary Mm -hmm. near the end is just so effective i mean thinking about the filming of it it would have been like you know, seriously, like, okay, Mary's going to run by and then the person's just going to, like, jump up and right in front of the camera. But the way that it looks on the screen in the context of the movie, it just looks like she's just being pursued by everyone left and right. And so it's so simple, but just done so effectively. And they don't... You and you would think too. So thinking of like special effects with the makeup of yeah. these souls and whether like souls or ghosts or ghouls or whatever, you think, oh, that's going to be cheesy with just like sort of black eyes and stuff. But with the lighting and stuff, they look crusty. 
they look um, like hollowed out their mm-hmm. eyes, like in some of those carnival yeah. scenes. And the wetness too. And it, the wetness. It's, it's so simple, but yeah. just so effective. It remind when you were talking about the pursuit. I hadn't made the connection till now, but it reminds me of it follows. Oh, like yeah. it follows has to have had inspiration from this movie sure. because of those different people who are pursuing her mm-hmm. and showing up in different places. Like one scene that stands out, maybe this is a scare factor thing, but then when she is, um, look after she goes on the date with the guy, yeah, um, who's total creep. Man, oh, that guy, John is so toxic. <laughs> classic. I feel like he's like the classic 50s, 60s yeah, we've, machine worker rapist guy. Man, we've <laughs> seen him pop up in too many movies. Yes! This guy. But he is so terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when, he, when it's after they go on the date and she's looking in the mirror and mm-hmm. it's she first thinks it's him going like going around kissing her neck and ear and yes. then it's a quick flash and it's the man. Yeah. And then it flashes back he's, and he's gone. Yeah, every time so he's simple. revealed is great. Close. It was. It scared me. It was like a, an effective jump scare. Yeah. Um. And it was really like surprising. Mm-hmm. Um. That it had an effect. Yeah. Because there's so many things that could seem cheesy. Mm-hmm. Um. On top of that, production-wise, something that stands out and that I'm a sucker for is when the score and the music is enveloped in the plot mm-hmm. and story of the movie. So her playing as an organist adds not only the soundtrack. But then when the music switches from the less sort of like what hymn, hymnal heavenly mm-hmm. music to that creepy sort of carnival sounding music, it's a part of her. It's a part of the story and it has its place and role. It's, yeah. It's, it's its own. It's such a great reflection of her inner turmoil. Yeah. Um, it's a yeah. great touch. The organ is, is a really effective uh, part of, of the movie. Not only do you get just like really cool shots of Mary surrounded by all these giant pipes and everything. But then, yeah, with her playing the music, um, she becomes so expressive and her character is very cut off, very closed. Um, Someone early in the movie says, you'd think she'd feel a little something like after her friends die, because she is so like, I don't want to say unemotional, but just like not emotional towards others. Right. She's right. Stoic. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, when we see her emotions coming out through her organ playing, it's just, just a great, it's just great character work. And yeah. the, so I think I told you this story, but the first time I saw this movie was a long time ago and it was late at night. And it's one of those nights where like you're watching the movie and then you kind of start dozing off. And then like when I started kind of waking up was when she was playing the organ, like in a really crazy <laughs> fashion. Um, and then you, that's cut with images of the man, you know, coming out of the water. And, and like that part, it's just so just so trippy and strange and dreamlike that it fit right in with like the dreamlike state that I have. So Mm -hmm. that's just one of like, for me, just one of the like memorable horror experiences of my film watching. You get so uh, sort of like sucked into her 
uh, her character, and I think that's a tribute to her acting, but then also the cinematography, is that you are completely drawn into the story and just on that wave of craziness along with her. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely give it a point for production. Yeah. Um, so monster quality. This is what I've been wanting to... I've been waiting to talk about the whole time. I feel like there are so many layers to the monsters in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with... Do you want to start with the man? Sure. So is he... Um, I just read him as a symbol and a representation of just men, right? Haunting and approaching. I mean, there's so many men that she has to confront mm-hmm. in this movie, whether it's with the priest or the person drag racing or the creepy neighbor... Or even when she's just out in public with the psychiatrist, he says stuff like, um, hysteria won't solve anything. So, like, blaming it on her womanhood mm-hmm. for a large yeah. part of it. Um, where, it, it, right, it's that double standard, right? They are upset with her that she's seeming unemotional and unaffected by the tragedy. But if she acts hysterical, quote unquote, mm-hmm. then they're like, well, no, you can't do that either. So, like, yeah. what is she supposed to do? How is she supposed to react? Right, and he, yeah, I love how, I didn't really think about it in terms of gender roles, but yeah, I mean, he is in all of those roles, like, in the mirror, he's the lover, when he turns around in the psychiatrist's chair, he's the doctor, Uh, yeah, he plays those roles and can be a representation of all those men, I really like that, I kind of saw him more as, like, just death, like uh as the the man as like a death figure yeah 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 um which i love just how it is layered um but yeah the reminder the grinning reminder that like uh uh-uh, mm-hmm. can't escape me mm-hmm. can't can't ignore me um and that's the way she feels right she fe- she has survivor's guilt and she feels like she has escaped it inappropriately mm-hmm. um and so it makes sense that he is sort of haunting her yeah and i i really love how there's ambiguity with like the rules in this like it's not i feel like movies now you have to have clearly defined rules and i think for the most part like i i want that i want to be able to understand how ghosts work in this world but in this one it's not totally clear um and i like that i like how ambiguous those figures are yeah and uh so the way that i read the the monster in this so so there was a gender reading i like the death i hadn't thought of him as sort of a death figure per se but i did read it as sort of her her guilt this is a story about her guilt catching up with her and finally taking her Mm -hmm. in the end um whether you read the ending as that she was actually taken by those souls and the ghosts or she was committing suicide because she just couldn't like handle it anymore mm-hmm. did you think what did you think about the end like, what's i don't reading know it? did like, they get her or is she just giving up and giving in see and like that's i don't think there's a clear answer and like i'm i'm fine with that mm-hmm. because there are also those moments where she becomes invisible and so is like is she dead at that moment mm-hmm. Like, has she been dead the whole time? Or mm-hmm. is her soul somehow returned to Earth? Like, I... Mm-hmm. Or did she survive and, and she somehow just has these visions now? I just mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that either. Maybe she did 
Maybe she should just leave, like left town because she couldn't cope again at the end. Yeah. I, I don't know. I Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. It, it's just so symbolic and ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Um, there, in addition to that, there's all these references to light and dark throughout. Mm-hmm. My, one of my favorite lines is, in the dark, your fantasies get out of hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when, I think she's talking to the neighbor at that point. Yeah. Or that comes out. But, gosh. Okay, let's, can we talk about the neighbors more? <laughs> yeah. So, I, I love, it was another, I guess this is another sort of gender reading of it, is that she's trying to like, she is trying to fit in and acquiesce. And there are moments where she tries to open up to him and he's so bipolar with his advances. I think ultimately from the beginning when he's like creeping through the the door hinge, first meet when she, like he like interrupts her when she's in the shower. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know what his intentions are, no matter how he masks them. But she hasn't decided, or she decides at different points what she thinks about those advances. Sometimes she's okay because she wants to feel known and seen mm-hmm. um but then the other time she's just like no wait i'm just fooling myself like I gotta get out of here right this is totally yeah. creeper yeah this idea of loneliness in her character is really interesting she says i don't belong in the world mm-hmm. like um and yeah i, I think the way that I, I guess what i like about john is that he is supposed to be a creep in the movie and some of the other movies men have acted in a creepy way and it was supposed to be charming mm. um here uh, john like is the wolf man yeah yeah like here john is clearly up to no good like he when, when he when she wants a friend when she wants company he is willing to be company he's willing to give her that but it's because he expects more yeah he's crossing the line yeah and yeah. so he's, of course, disappointed when she doesn't give him what he feels is, like, proper retribution. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, hey, I, I was your friend. Like, you owe me. Yeah. 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 And talks about, like, spending the night all the time. Like, man, yeah. that guy's a total creep. Yeah. When, Just... they're, when they're on the date, something that got to me is when... <laughs> Uh, he like gets mad because she doesn't like the music. Yeah. He's like, I'll play it again because you like it so much. <laughs> He's just out of control. Out of control. It's thoroughly entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great. So, so I, I want to give it a point. I love the souls in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think as of all, like all the monsters that we've talked about are great. And we haven't even talked. We haven't talked about the car, like the carnival scenes, like where she's wandering in the carnival, mm-hmm. and it's so trippy. And then the the people dancing it made me think of uh, this movie. Reminded me of so many other horror, great horror movies. Like um, it reminded me of The Shining a little bit. I, I, like, are they just dead people, or are they sort of like trapped souls, mm-hmm. like she is? Are they are they victims of tragedy yeah. in some way that keeps them there at the carnival, mm-hmm. dancing and spinning continuously, yeah. some sort of like purgatory hell yeah and i love how she's drawn to it like yeah first mm-hmm. you see it from a distance and you're like what is that and is that anything or you know because then the movie just continues and she doesn't acknowledge it and then only later she's asking about it and then you know we get closer and closer until we finally go there and i love the mystery around that and also 
just the idea of the carnival. I mean, it's it's very fun and crazy, but um, we we see the carnival. We hear the organ music, which is associated with carnivals, but uh, it's a, it's a very somber film, mm-hmm. and so that that juxtaposition is really interesting. Yeah, going back to what you were saying is that this is a film about loneliness too. Mm-hmm. Is that um, being at a carnival when you're alone and nobody else is there is no fun, is pretty horrific. Um, dancing alone, like without mm-hmm. a partner in a place, can feel that way too. And so it's like there's all that symbolism mm-hmm. um, related yeah. to loneliness. That when she's among people and they don't notice her, like she's yes. alone. She's alone among others. Yeah. So. and she she says that at the end. It's like I don't want to be alone anymore. Yeah. Um, so powerful. So yeah, I want to give it a point for monster yeah, quality. Absolutely. All right. So, so scare, scare factor. factor. This is one of those movies. The music and the surreal. Uh, like film cuts it holds together for me i think there's tension all the way throughout the ambiguous ending that i feel like you and i both come to love in movies mm-hmm. like this it hits all the marks for me like it has scare factor for me yeah this is the kind of movie that like it doesn't have jump scares it's not it does it that, that mirror one's a jump well, scare. oh okay oh yeah sure okay i'll give you that but like this is not scary in the traditional sense of like Oh, we're gonna watch The Exorcist, and there're gonna be some really scary scenes. It's more like, um, "Don't Look Now," where it just like it sits with you, mm-hmm. you know. And like by the end, you just feel this unease um, that isn't resolved because it's ambiguous. And yeah, it's it's something that has stuck with me ever since I you know originally saw it when I was like half dreaming half <laughs> awake mm-hmm. um it's i think it's one of the greats and it belongs in the canon absolutely i agree so one in honorable mention one in the canon i feel like we're, we're picking winners <laughs> when we're going through these decades this yeah is good yeah this is good so I, I i feel like it's appropriate too because it is really our um our intro into the into the golden age and into that, you know, modernization, mm-hmm. you know, let's get out of the haunted houses with the ghosts and vampires and witches. And let's talk about what it's like to live in today's world. Um, and so we're going to continue that with our next episode um, where we're going to focus on films um, from the mid to late 60s. And both of these are Roman Polanski films. Um and so we're going to be watching Repulsion and Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Mo- yeah. Rosemary's Baby is one we've just been waiting on. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're finally going to get to it. Yeah. I think. More, more Satanism. More Satanism. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that before. Um, so, yeah, you can check out more episodes and check out uh, more decades in our decades of death. If you check us out on our website, inoiasolstice.com, E-U-N-O-I-A-S-O-L-S-T-I-C-E. Follow us at the underscore terror underscore test. Oh, and I have a new, um, I have a new plug. Too. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I just started this uh, Dungeons and Dragons campaign um, that is being streamed um, every other Thursday. And so if you... 
search for Charisma Explains It All on Twitch, <laughs> then you'll find um, you'll find our campaign. It's a lot of fun. We just started, um, but it's it's pretty fun so far. Yeah, have to check it out. When it, when's the next? Um, so actually we are moving it to Wednesday, I think. So it's Wednesday, uh, the Wednesday after Thanksgiving. Wednesday after Thanksgiving. Be sure yeah. to check it out. And then we're also, before we record our next episode, uh, John and I are going to go see Goblin Live. Yeah. Perform Suspiria. I think they're just doing that album, yeah. right? Yeah. I am so excited for this. Pumped. Worth every penny. It's in, They're in Louisville, but check out their tour dates. Mm-hmm. It was not too pricey. Mm-hmm. Well well worth it. Yeah. And so, I don't know. Our next episode may be coming from the car ride back from the concert. Um, <laughs> that's a great idea. So, yeah. That's, that's it for now. Pencils down. The terror test is over. <laughs>